Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question How do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled Discernment Made Simple. I have with me my good friend, Chantal Skubik. Did I say both of those correctly this time? You did. I'm I'm very proud. Yes. So this is completely aside from what we're talking about today, <laughs> but I met Chan, who I usually just call her Chan, an easier yeah. Yeah. for me. I can't mess that up. Right. I uh, called her her name. I said it wrong for mm, maybe a year of our friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought I knew how to say it. So anyway. Yeah. I'm I here. I just avoided saying it. Altogether. Yeah, I, I really did. And then one day I was kind of yeah. called out and I said, Chantel, Chantel, Chantel. And they were like, oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. So today we're talking about discernment. You guys can tell just from that brief 30 second introduction. We're friends. We're we've been friends for a while. I'll let her introduce herself. But um, it is a gift when I get to talk to people I know really well, I think. Uh, of course, it is a blessing to interview anyone, especially people who have so much uh, wisdom to share. But I do think for the purpose of interviews, it is nice sometimes to have a relationship with the person. And so I hope that this conversation is something that people enjoy. But we're here to talk about discernment. Um, yeah. More specifically, discernment made simple. Before we get rolling, I want to announce our sponsors. And that is Good Catholic and the Catholic Company. Uh, They are a one-stop shop for all your Catholic needs. The Catholic Company has rosaries, books, clothing, you name it, they've got it. Use code GATA for 20% off. And Good Catholic is a wonderful digital media company. They create wonderful series that are definitely worth checking out. And if you use code GATA, you can get 20% off any of those series. Our most recent series is based around purgatory. So I invite you to check out those websites. Use that code GATA for 20% off. Um, But as I said, I have with me my friend. So Chan, if you would like, just introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Um, So I am Chantal or Chan, as some call me. I am in Northern Virginia. Um, I actually don't know what goes into an intro. Uh, I have worked in refugee resettlement for a few years. I love vanilla iced lattes throughout the year. It doesn't matter how cold it is. Um, I don't know what, I mean, I think that, I think that should do it. People will hear more soon. Oh, when I first met Brendan, I feel like we do have to give a little backstory. Um, I met him at the diocese. He was working in a young adult ministry job and uh, he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And I was just kind of puzzled as to who this person was. And I figured I probably would never see him again. And uh, instead, last year we spent Thanksgiving together um, with your now bride and I crashed their honeymoon uh, for 24 hours. So pretty good stuff. So the, the, the takeaway there is when you think you can get rid of me, you <laughs> yeah, exactly can't. you can't <laughs> anything to do with it <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway we're, we're here today to talk about discernment yeah. and we're really focusing on uh, some of the lessons that Chan has learned over the last couple of years and, and just in her lifetime the point of each episode here at the gotta be saints podcast remains the same we want you the listener to understand that you're called to be a saint and we want to share information that can help with that calling. I am called to be a saint. You are called to be a saint. Chantal is called to be a saint. And so this topic of discernment is one that is sometimes overlooked, sometimes talked about too much. It just depends on the person. But I think in reality, discernment does not need to be as scary as it's made out to be. And so we're talking here today about just discernment made simple. So I think to begin, I just want you to share your story about how the Lord has kind of worked in your life. Yeah. Um, So 
discernment made simple. That's a tall order. Um, I, so the, this last, these last couple of years, um, I have, uh, had quite the, quite the fun, uh, adventure praying with the Lord through these desires that he's put on my heart. Um, and so I guess just starting off a couple years ago, um, I had come back from a trip to Europe. Uh, that was at my mom's suggestion. I actually, this sounds silly, but I never really had much interest in visiting Europe. I, um, I had studied abroad in Africa and I loved that experience. And um, I knew I wanted to return, but Europe wasn't necessarily on my radar. Um, and uh, so we came back and for whatever reason, we had visited Ireland um, as one of the countries. And for whatever reason, it really stuck with me. And uh, and I just started having this thought around maybe November, December, like I could I could just picture myself um, living there and studying there. And at around that time, I was, you know, like I said, working in refugee resettlement, loved my job, loved my coworkers, loved the clients, like could not complain. Um, I don't think a lot of people can say that, but it truly was such a gift and a privilege those four years working, um, working there. And, you know, I had great roommates. Um, I lived near family. And so there was no real reason for me to consider such a big change. But even prior to this thought of moving, I had this sort of holy restlessness, um, which I would say a holy restlessness, restlessness in that it wasn't anxiety ridden. It wasn't this like rebellion against the reality that I was in. It was just, I knew some change was coming, but I had no idea what that was. Um, and so I had even started praying prior to, to this idea. I had started praying like, Lord, what's next? You know, give me, give me an image of this, like, like help me to see what might be coming. Um, if you want me to consider moving or if you want me to consider looking at a different job, whatever that may be. And so, yeah, Ireland just kept coming up. And um, this scholarship that I had looked at in college that I thought was just the dream, like the would be so cool, would be so like such an awesome program to apply to, um, that kind of resurfaced. Um, I talked to someone that had done the program and so uh, trying to make this long story kind of short, um, I was like, okay, I think I need to apply for this program. But, and this is probably a little relatable. Um, I was I was super scared. Like I knew that it would take me at least six months to do the application. It would take a lot of time. It would probably involve me telling people about it, telling friends and family, um, and getting them involved and in, you know in my mind getting their hopes up for something that i thought at that point could not happen like not only was i applying for a program that was was um you know uh, challenging to like get this scholarship but i also chose the country that happened to be like had the lowest acceptance rate or one of the lowest acceptance rates and i even wanted to like change that i was like lord what if we do something else um but he kept putting Ireland back on my heart. And so I remember I was talking to my spiritual director um, and, you know, who who essentially um, is this really wonderful priest um, who has been such uh, a model in my life of the faith, but also just of, um, you know, someone that's been able to mentor me through, especially a lot through these past couple of years. Um, and so I was talking to him and, and he was saying, he was explaining his old journey through seminary, and it was not a straight path for him. It, you know, he left, he came back, then he left again, he came back. And, um, but through him explaining his experience, at the end of the call, I said, Ugh, okay, I don't think I need to discern any longer. I think I just, I'm just scared. I think I just need to say yes to this thing. Um, and I know that with discernment of big decisions, sometimes we don't know what we need to do. And sometimes we're just afraid of, of getting our hopes up, of getting invested in something that 
you know, we, that we might not get that, um, again, in my mind, I was going to, at the end of this whole experience, I was going to apply a year later, I wasn't going to get it. And then I would learn a good lesson. Like that's how I was, I was like, God is going to teach me discipline and perseverance and all these great things, but it's not going to end in like me actually getting this um, scholarship and getting to move. So um, I remember one night I was just praying for clarity. I was like, Lord, I'm still so, I, I just don't want to put in all this effort essentially for this thing that I'm going to get my hopes up for. Why would I do that to myself? Why would I involve my family in this and then get their hopes up? This just feels like an impossible task. And I hadn't even started, when you started the application, I was already like, this is too much. Uh, and so I was praying one night and I had been listening to this song, um, this hymn that most people probably know, Be Thou My Vision. Um, Can you sing that for us? Yeah, I'll just, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll let, what do you link in the bio? Is that it? How does that work? We'll, and we can post it in the, in the show notes. Right. Yeah. Post in the show notes. Um, but it's a really beautiful, um, song and the version I was listening to had these like kind of Celtic drums. And so I was really into it at the time, you know, all things Irish at the time. And I was praying with it. I was just kind of listening to the song and the Lord sort of whispered to me and, and, not like an audible whisper. I want to make that clear so that no one thinks that like I'm hearing this booming voice um, for those that are concerned about their own prayer life. No, but uh, the Lord did kind of nudge me, like look more into this song. There's more to this song. And in the song, you know, the uh, verse throughout is like, be that my vision, O Lord of my heart. Um, you know, it, it goes on and on. Um, I'm not going to sing it. She's really, but, if you look at her, she, she wants to sing. I no, I really, really don't. That'll be a bonus. Like if you subscribe to, uh, <laughs> emails, dollars on Patreon, you yeah. can get the singing version. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm reading through about the song and in my mind, I was taking it entirely metaphoric, like, Lord, be my vision, like be that which I see as my all in all, my, at the end of all of this, it's like you and me, Lord. Um, and I started reading about this saint that there's a little bit of, um, I guess, controversy as to whether he wrote the poem that led to this song. Um, some people think it was written later on, but either way, um, there's this very obscure saint St. Dallin Forgale. I hope I'm saying it right. He was in sixth century Ireland. Very little is known about him. I mean, he's like killed by pirates and all these uh, crazy things. But um, the first thing I read about him was that he went blind due to intense study. I was like, okay. Well, I don't ever have to deal with that. Yeah. Well, no, except I was applying to a program where I would be doing a master's. So I'm thinking, this is not a good sign, Lord. Like, what are you trying to tell me? Um, but then I kept reading and uh, apparently he wrote an elegy of St. Columba, um, like a poem about St. Columba. And upon publishing it, his sight was regained. So that is the little, the very little we know about him. And you could take this many ways, but um, to me, the Lord was saying, like you are trying to see the full picture here and you're not going to, like, I'm not going to show you that you're going to get the scholarship, but I'm also not asking you to say yes to that right now. I'm just asking you. In fact, like I, I pictured, I, you know, in prayer, I was imagining like closing my eyes and just taking the Lord's hand and him leading me. And that's an image I, that has really stayed with me throughout the process. When I get super overwhelmed by next steps or all of the many unknowns that come oftentimes with discernment of whatever options, whether it's career, whether it's a relationship, um, you know, there's so many things we, we can't control and we don't know. Um, and that is where obviously our faith comes in. And so I just imagined him, yeah, just leading me and saying, I am just asking you to say yes to this one next thing. I'm not even asking you 
if you could move to Ireland? Because at that point, I didn't know. I was thinking, why would I leave? Like, that would be so silly. I'm in a great spot. Uh, but he he was like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're getting way ahead. I'm just asking you to say yes to this application. So I was like, okay, I, I can do that. I can start this application. And at that point, it became... At, and, and he did continue to kind of affirm that decision. For example, like two days later, I got in the mail this giant travel backpack. And for a week, no one, I, I didn't know where it came from. And finally, my aunt said, oh, I had sent you a travel backpack just because I was like, what? Um, <laughs> so I did feel like there were these, you know, kind of divine uh, confirmations that this is this is where I should at least be, you know, that I should do this application. Um, but I still was was very convinced that it was all to teach me some lesson because I think I had a hard time believing that my big audacious dreams, as uh, my friend Katie always calls them, like big audacious dreams could also be the Lord's will for me. I, I felt like I was very willing to surrender my will for his. But what I didn't expect was that that my desires would align with his desires for my life. Um, it just didn't seem like it felt, it felt very frivolous. This whole thing felt very frivolous. Like, why do I need to go to Europe? No, I don't need to do that. Um, and so anyway, yeah. So that all happened. I wrote a little list because I get distracted and forget where I'm at. Um, okay. So I get through a lot of self-doubt and I'm saying yes to this application. I'm doing it. Um, you know, uh, was, I had moved twice in those six months. So it was like a very overwhelming time, but I was like, okay, I have to submit this application because I now know that the Lord is asking me to do this. And I just, I want to obey him in that. Um, and so then I got the semifinalist letter. Um, it was, it was late January and uh, I, I called my friend and I was like, I can't open this letter. And she, she was like, why not? And I, I just said, I'm not ready for this dream to end. Like, I'm just not ready for this dream to end. I've, I've wanted this for so long. And I was, I was kind of grasping onto it with my fists. So, you know, at that point I was not open-handed with it, like saying, Lord, take this or give it back, like whatever you will. I was still kind of like, I didn't know, I didn't know how to, how to handle wanting this so much. Um, and so I just said, I, I can't, I can't look at this letter. Um, but I opened it and I got through the semifinalist round and I was shocked. Um, and the next day I was praying and, um, obviously just in Thanksgiving and, um, grateful that the Lord had got me to that point. And he was like, he was like, what? Uh, he, you know, again, just kind of a nudge from the Lord. Um, what What was the, the feast day of St. Dallin? And what day did you get your letter? And so it's like, even before I looked, I knew. And so I had looked and, um, you know, St. Dallin's feast day was January 29th, which is when I got that news. And that was such a, <laughs> it was, it just, it was a, it was a confirmation that that this really was the Lord and that sometimes I think we can, something miraculous can happen in our lives. And in the moment, we're, we're like so feeling so connected to the Lord and so in touch. And then I think that we can start to hear lies about like, was that really him? Like, did he really say that? You know, maybe that's all in your head. Are you sure that's not just your voice talking. And that's where discernment is always important of discerning the voices that we're hearing in prayer or otherwise, um, not just big decisions, but really discerning the little things. Like now I just, I only discern the little things because I figure that all the little things will add up to the big things. And I think if we're discerning daily in the little ways of like, even Lord, what do you want me to do with my day? Um, just giving him that say in our lives, I think that that all adds up to the big decisions and those big decisions become much less daunting. Um, so anyway, I, 
yeah, I, I, after that moment, after, after realizing, okay, I think this, there is something here. The Lord wants this for me. Um, at least he wants me to go through this process. My tune definitely started to change. Um, whereas before I was pretty pessimistic about the outcome, um, he really convicted me that this would be an opportunity to witness to my friends and family. Like I so wanted to keep, to kind of guard, guard myself and not share with anyone that I was doing this, that I was applying for this thing. And then I thought that's, that's robbing them of the opportunity to pray for me and, um, and, you know, to see, like, to, to join me in this process. And so I just started telling people about it and saying like, yeah, can you pray for me? And, um, and I didn't tell many people this, but like, I know with my roommates towards the end and with my parents, I told them, I was like, this feels impossible, but I think I'm getting it. Like, I think I'm, I, at one point I said to my dad, well, next year when I'm in Ireland, and he was like, what? Like, you haven't even, you haven't even won yet. Let's calm down. And and they kept saying, what about, could you go a different way without the scholarship, this and that? And I just knew that the Lord, I, I wanted to do it his way or not at all. Like my mantra for a long time has just been God's best, nothing less. Like I want it his way or I don't want it because I just know that he, his will, his will will always be the best for my life. Even if it will be involve more suffering, even if it's more challenging, like it will always be the best. And I just trust him. And so I told my parents who were super supportive, just they always have been. Um, but I just, you know, kept reiterating, like, if I don't get this, I'm not going and that's it. And that's okay. Um, and so I would be praying and there were a lot of low points for sure. Um, where I was like, Lord, I think I had to wait three months to find out. And those were the longest three months because here I'm trying to plan for next year. I had signed a two-year lease. Like I was not planning to move in, you know, six months or however at that point. Um, But there would be days where I was like, I can't wait any longer. And there was no set date when we would find out final results. So I remember I would just go to the chapel and sometimes I'd be sitting in adoration and, um, I'd be like, Lord, I just, I can't wait any longer. I can't do this. I'm not you. I'm not strong enough. Um, I'm losing it. You know, people keep asking me about it and I have nothing to tell them. It was like every conversation people would ask about it, which was, you know, super, they, they were invested and they cared, but, um, it was hard to have that, that long wait time. And it was Lent. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is the most Lent Lent for me. Um, <laughs> and uh and so i would just go to the chapel i remember one day i was at um saint james which you know has all those stained glass windows of um uh of saints i don't know there must be like how many images you think 60 saints in there i don't Probably. think it's 50, but it's a lot yeah okay let's say 30 to 60 somewhere around there Great. Great. Um, and i sit down and uh and I was just praying like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm throwing my hands up. I can't, I can't wait any longer. Come on. And I felt just sort of, it was like the spirit just tapped me on the shoulder a little bit and kind of pointed, you know, like, look up. Um, and I looked up and there's a stained glass of St. Patrick. And it was, you know, it's nothing. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> the great St. Patrick. I'm glad, if anything, I'm glad that from this episode, people get to hear your accent. It's not bad. It's really not bad. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I hope we get to hear more throughout. (laughs) (laughs) But so, you know, again, just things like that where they were these little consolations, but over and over again, I won't, you know, get into to everything, but there I, I was receiving so many consolations. At some point, I just said, like, I feel like a spoiled child, Lord. Like, if I do get this and these consolations were leading me here, I mean. I don't know why you, you're comforting me so. Um, and later I would come to find out why that was, um, which I won't mention yet. But um, yeah, so 
hopefully this isn't like the longest story. I feel like probably half the listeners were like, let's just skip for 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Still sharing the story. (laughs) We get it. (laughs) It Um, was hard. No, you're good. so, So April 13th comes and I actually pulled my journal out to like remember that day. So I had never dreamt about this program, right? Or even living in Ireland. I I could see when praying about it, I could kind of picture, but I had never dreamt about it. Um, And uh, that night or the night before, I had a, a nightmare that I didn't get in. And I woke up really upset. I felt betrayed by the Lord in this nightmare, which is you know, not a great feeling, um, I would say, uh, to feel. And so I woke up and I just, I I prayed about it. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't, I don't feel that way. That was in my nightmare, but this is me coherent and awake. And that's not how I feel because at the end of the day, God is still God. I am not. He can give and take away and he is still to be praised. And, um, and there was such a piece there that I realized I, even if I didn't get this um, scholarship, even if I didn't get to move, it was all worth it. And I wouldn't have said that months before, but the intimacy with Christ that, that came in a new way through this process, I would never, you know, take that, take that back. Um, what I didn't know was that I would get the news later that day. So I think that was all really interesting timing. But um, yeah, so I, I, I got the letter later that day, again, shocked. I was like crying. My roommate, who you, you guys will probably hear from uh, later, maybe next episode or in the future. Uh, um, this is episode 99. Our friend Natalie is, is episode 100. So if you're listening to this, get excited for the next episode. Yes. Get excited. So Natalie comes home and she said, who died? And I was like, couldn't speak. And then she said, oh my gosh, you found out you got it. Um, I think she might have started crying too. It was like, if you can imagine just two girls like jumping and crying and being like, praise God. Um, But, oh, okay, sorry. Last thing that I skipped. During Lent, I started praying expectantly. And I think with discernment, that's really important like as the lord is leading you places like don't wait until you get somewhere to start praying for these things and so i remember i would pray for a person a day during lent just in general or people that would be affected by me leaving if i were to get this so like my parents and um, and you exactly right i was really worried about brendan he seemed to do okay but um and, and uh he so I remember one day praying for the person that would take over my room and I pictured this one friend, but again, didn't think anything of it. And this is where like the Lord just, he just gives us what we need. I don't, I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it, but um, maybe a month later, that person that I had pictured when praying for the person to take over my lease, she reached out and said, Hey, you know, if you are moving, would you need someone to take over your room? And it, it's like, I'm not going to say that when it's his will, it's easy. It's definitely not. But he does open doors. And I do think sometimes recognizing where things are happening is helpful. Um, because that was one of many, many doors he opened. And once they started opening, is like they were flying open in ways that I was never even anticipating or expecting. I'm up for a challenge and um, yeah, I just wasn't expecting that. So, so a lot of blessings there, um, but I'm trying to think if I missed anything. Mm, okay. Last thing. Can I keep talking? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. Okay. Thanks. Um, so I had wondered why I had gotten all of these consolations. Like, I, again, I really felt like a spoiled child. I was like, Lord, why do you need to comfort me? Is my faith so small that you need to keep comforting me and and 
telling me that this is what you want for me. I just couldn't really understand because that hadn't often happened before. And um, it almost felt like like too much. I was like, Lord, you're really like laying it on thick. Um, and I would come to find out later that he knew that I needed that um, because the week that I was leaving my job and a couple weeks before I was moving was when everything was happening with Afghanistan. Um, when the Taliban started taking over the government and having worked with hundreds of clients, many of them Afghan and also having a lot of coworkers and friends who are Afghan. Um, it was, you know, I mean, everyone saw it. It was, it was a really difficult time. And, um, the, the last week before I left my job, I was at a military base helping with evacuees, just like helping. I actually got the fun job of, you know, like uh, supporting the rec tent with the kids and playing games and stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, just seeing that week, seeing how much pain people were going through was really, really difficult. And, um, and so my last day, I come back to the office to like drop off my computer. I fully pulled an Irish goodbye because I just, it was too much. I couldn't, I, I started crying in the office. I was like, I can't do this. But I, I felt like I was abandoning ship. I was like, Lord, this can't be, this can't be what you want for me. Like I am leaving two, two days after I, my last day was when Kabul fell. and then we saw all those in like hour by hour evacuation flights. And, um, I just thought, Lord, this can't be you. I'm not leaving. I was like, for a couple of days, I was like, I'm not leaving. Like I take everything back this whole process. Like I'm not going, I can't leave right now. It, I, I, there was just all this guilt there. And again, um, pain and seeing so much suffering amongst people that I cared about and um and the country as a whole and and I think that is where discerning the Lord's will is so important because sometimes we can't understand we we don't know all the pieces to the puzzle and if it were just me saying this is my dream I would have given it up 10 times over that would have been it like but because I felt so confident that this was not only my dream, but a dream the Lord had given me and placed on my heart. I knew that out of anyone to say yes to that was to obey his will. And I, again, I knew that would be the best thing in that moment. Um, so that's, I had to add that little tidbit, but um, yeah, that's all. No, I, I, that's not it. We've got much more to talk about. But no, thank you for sharing your story. I think to anyone who's at home listening, uh, Chan just kind of poured her heart out and talked about how the Lord has operated in her life. And we're here talking about discernment and the importance of discernment. And I think uh, you made a lot of really, really good points. I think for so many people, this question comes across this idea, this concept of discernment, and as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, it it starts to wane on us because we start to look at it as it, it takes over our lives. It becomes too big of a thing. We start discerning every little thing or we start to really worry about making the wrong decision um, or it's the reverse of God will operate under whatever I decide. And I think it's that fine place in between where we find ourselves Having the humility to know that he has a plan for us and his plan is better than ours. And yet still, like you said, making those little daily discernments, kind of operating in that space with a daily uh, heart that says, Lord, what do you need from me today? Let me desire what you desire. And then operating out of that. And it helps, as you said, with the big decisions. Um, In this space, in, in your story, you share about you know getting into this program. You you shared about leaving a job that 
in a lot of ways was good and and enjoyable and life-giving. I mean, the working in that space with refugees is not an easy thing. Um, and you can speak to that much better than I can. I only have limited experience of talking to refugees through my last job. Um, but you were in it every single day in a way that makes it hard to walk away because you yeah. saw the suffering and knew that you were needed. And yet you went and got this or applied for this program to get a degree to better help you in that space um, to, to do more. And, and yet, you know, it's a challenge as you shared uh, right there at the end too. Um, the space became even more challenging to leave, but that's what God was calling you to. And I think it, it makes a great point too, that we sometimes believe that we are the answer to people's problems and God so brilliantly oftentimes shares with us. us. <laughs> we're not the answer. He is. Right. And so that space it's not, maybe it was pride, but it was probably more just maybe a false humility or a, just a desire to do good. But you can sit there and you say, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to leave this space. There's too much going on. And God didn't use the last year for nothing. He, and he probably was like, no, this is why I'm having it get hard as you leave to remind you that my plan is bigger than anything you're doing here. And it's beautiful. So I, I have some questions that I've kind of formulated and I think we should, we should go through those. Um, you, you talked a lot about dreaming. Uh, and I think you and I talked a good bit, uh, before we got on today and we talked about this concept of dreaming with the Lord, you know, within discernment, I think, as I mentioned, you know, people struggle sometimes to believe that the Lord has a, a, a concrete plan for them or has a big plan for them and he wants to use them. But I think this comes with this concept of dreaming with the Lord that some people just aren't willing to close their eyes and imagine that the God of the universe really does want the best for them. Um, can you, can you just talk a little bit about, about that concept and how it's become so apparent in your own life? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think in the beginning, my biggest challenge was, again, as we follow the Lord, I, as, as we begin to follow the Lord and grow in our faith, um, whatever that path looks like, we know to kind of question our worldly desires. And, um, and I think I'd gotten to a place of almost being suspicious of like feeling like I needed to surrender everything right um, to him. But the Lord is also not calling us to lives of mediocrity and desire is a good thing. Um, you know, so many times we hear renew your desires. Um, I believe in love. Oh, I wish I had pulled out excerpts, but that's a really great book to take to adoration or just to read um, in your free time. And there's a lot of talk there about how, um, the Lord gives us desires, good desires, and he has a plan and a purpose for us. And so to be in tune with that and to seek that out is important. And obviously our greatest purpose is to love. Our greatest vocation is to love, but he has plans for us um, more in the weeds. He has plans for us um, that are unique and all important and um important, just as important as the next person, but they're going to look very different. And no one can tell you what those plans are. Um, they can speak into that, but ultimately, I think only we can understand or know know what our dreams are, what our big audacious dreams are. Um, and that's why I wanted to, that's why, you know, so way back when I had told Brendan, like, I wanted to do episode 99. Well, two reasons. One, I thought I would actually never come. And I was, um, you. <laughs> I was kind of hoping I actually wouldn't have to speak on a podcast because I get nervous. But, uh, reason two being that 
maybe you were on like episode 10 and I just saw this really wonderful thing you felt called to do. And I think it's important that we support each other in our dreams and like partner in them because sometimes in the beginning you have this zeal and this zest for, for this thing. And then sometimes it gets hard and you forget why you wanted to do this in the place and you have friends there to remind you. So um, here we are, episode 99. But yeah, I, I just think that, again, he doesn't call us to apathy. He doesn't call us to mediocrity. And um, and a Christian life, a Catholic night life does not have to be boring. And it does not have to involve giving up adventures and giving up your dreams. It's quite the opposite. Um, he will refine those and purify those in a way that I think will continues to surprise me, truly continues to surprise me. I never would have thought this would be what the last year looks like. So, um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. I, I like everything you said. And I think there's just some, there's some beauty in just kind of believing what you're describing, you know, believing that he does with certainty have for you and wants the best for you. And it's in that dream in that concept that he is able to work, but it's only after we come to, to really trust him and relationship with him that we're able to even imagine or have these dreams because you, you talked about, you know, there was a little bit of skepticism that you we're having within this space yeah. of you. Lord, could you really do this for me? I've seen you do many signs and wonders for others, but for me, Lord, could you really do that? And he just kept on doing it and kept on providing you. And I mean, even as you shared your story, you talk so much about from the get-go of like, I'm going to do this with the knowledge that failure is on the horizon. It's yeah. just, I just don't know when the failure will come. I don't know when I will get rejected, but I will get rejected, but I'm going to do it for, for sure. all these lessons to learn. And yet, as you got to the later stages, sure, it helps that you've been affirmed by the people it, who were doing the program by you're into the semifinals, you know, all of that. And yet at the same time, the real change, it sounded like, was your trust in him. Because yeah. you got to a point where you said, 100%. These things aren't going away. This desire is not going away. Because when we have desires that go away, they're fleeting. They're, they're, and you notice that, you know, it's, it's like somebody who desires to be super fit and they work out for two straight weeks. They're just going hard in the paint. And then they realize it's a lot of work and they stop. Now, maybe this isn't the most perfect uh statement but it's 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 not to say somebody in that space then all of a sudden gives up and stops exercising altogether i'm talking about the person who wants to look amazing but it takes it takes work and this concept this reality within discernment when we make decisions and when we are discerning the will of god we have to come to realize that when we really put our heart into things he never wants us to be second best. He doesn't want good for us. He wants the best for us. He wants the greatest for us. So that person who gets really excited and works out for two weeks, but then stops, maybe the Lord was calling them to better health, or maybe for them, the challenge came through the difficulty and they couldn't endure. They couldn't really persevere into the fullest degree. Here with our dreams, this is, of course, a little bit different. So maybe my workout analogy wasn't the best, but that's okay. <laughs> we we have these dreams, and sometimes they're short-lived. They're first season. They're very quick. And yet other times, they they stay longer. They stay in our hearts longer. We desire them more, and we realize that we want to put in the toil and the work because of what it brings about. And so this process for you to apply for this program, to go through it, it's grueling. 
And yet you kept doing it and you saw the worth there. And by the end, you were so confident. You're telling your father when I'm in Ireland next year. And she shared this, but she was in Ireland for a year. folks. She just got back. Like the Lord worked with her and made this dream a reality. So I, I wanted to to get to another concept that we we kind of talked a little bit about. Um, and I think you can hit on it a little bit more. So we talk about signs and wonders. We talk about this idea of uh, within discernment, sometimes God puts something before us. So it could be a million different things. It could be St. Patrick. It could be that hymn. Um, but these things sometimes help our journey and give us little bits of faith that we need to keep going. Um, but they also sometimes can get a little confusing. So I know that you had made reference to to scripture yeah. here. Um, so I'd love to just hear your little uh, tie in there and, and share that. You've already shared it with me off off the air, uh, but I'd love for you to share it here so that the people at home can you know take that practical advice and that beautiful um, reflection that you had. Yeah. So um, I was at a talk a couple weeks ago, and so I thought this would be helpful to to include, but I think sometimes we can be weary of signs because of, um, well, it's typically this verse. Um, it's from Matthew 16, uh, verse four, um, where, uh, Jesus condemns seeking after signs and says an evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. Um, and so out of context, we are, you know, we're told so often, do not test the Lord um, asking for signs. That's, I think, I think that's something that a lot of people have heard. Um, but it's important to to read that within context because Matthew 14 um, is when, is the feeding of the 5,000, right? Um, when Jesus multiplies the fish, fishes and loaves. Um, is it fishes or fish? Fishes. The the fish. Fish. The fish. Um, and during that time, he's he's um obviously we've seen him, you know, um perform miracles, and um in that instance, the people respond by glorifying Christ and by praising him for these signs and wonders. And then two chapters later, he is condemning signs. Well, what is that? But in chapter 16, um, it's the Pharisees demanding a sign uh, for Jesus to kind of prove himself. Um, and so, no, we should not be demanding signs from the Lord. Um, we should not be testing him, of course. But consolations he offers us in times of discernment, in times of fear, comfort, uh, discomfort, sadness, you know, that is, that is a very different thing. And so, um, I would invite listeners, if that's something that like you've been curious about before to, to read more about, um, and even just go back through Matthew chapters 14 through 16, but, um, yeah, kind of, kind of controversial, those signs and wonders, aren't they? So. No, I, I, I like it. And I think, you know, scripture is always a place that I think we should look for, um, you know, advice. I think so oftentimes we want to listen to um, the leading psychologist or the leading expert in XYZ. And there's value there. I mean, the Lord has given so many of us insights and wisdom that we should be sharing if if we've been blessed with it. And yet at the same time, where else should we look? That where's better than scripture when Jesus himself is talking about these things. And I think, you know, signs and wonders are a wonderful example because the Lord can use them and he blesses them. Um, but they, he also kind of makes it known that like, these are not necessary. That doesn't mean he won't right. get them. They're not necessary. Right. Uh, blessed are those who do not see and right. still, you know, he makes it known that uh, there's beauty in in believing without seeing and yet he also gives these signs and and also he's he's pretty good about um getting there so i you look at like simeon and simeon and anna simeon waited 
for years and years for his sign. I mean, he was told, you will, before you die, you will meet the Christ. And yet, I mean, he was sitting there, probably he didn't have a watch, but he's looking down at the clock and saying, hey, I'm getting kind of old. You know, Lord, I haven't seen this great sign that you've promised me. And yet, what does he do? What does Anna do? They both trust. They continue to lean in. I think one thing that is essential with discernment is recognizing that your time is different than our Lord's time. And that is essential to understanding this. Because for so many of us, we sit there and we often can say, Lord, I'm ready to trust. I'm ready to believe. I'm ready to discern with you. I'm ready to let you lead. But there's a ticking clock on that. There's an expiration date that comes. You know, at some point, I will walk away if things aren't looking the way I want to. You and I both probably have multiple friends and family who have walked away to some degree. And a lot of it, if you talk to those people, is because things weren't going their way at some point and it became too difficult. You see it in John 6. Jesus is there and he's giving the bread of life discourse. And then he finds himself speaking and legitimately watching people who have been following him leave. He looks at his 12 apostles and he says, will you too leave? Because he's he understands that things are difficult in this moment. This concept that he is legitimately going to be present in bread and drink, and it's going to be his body and blood. He There are There's a confusion there. People are confused and scared and thinking he is a heretic. And yet, what do they say? The same words that you and I need to say when we're in discernment. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I think for anyone who's discerning at home, saying those words every day within whatever dreams you have, it is going to make it so much better. Because even if that dream is not fulfilled today, he's going to give you what you need for that day, that daily bread. And you can still keep dreaming for those bigger things because he has a plan. He wants to give you those desires and he wants to fulfill them, but he wants to fulfill them in a way that is going to bring you closer to him and bring you to heaven as to make you happy here on this earth. Now, of course, happiness, Oftentimes will come with that, but it is not the sole role of our Lord to make us happy here on this earth. It is to get us to heaven to be with him. Um, So the other thing I wanted to kind of, and it goes with what I've just said is, you know, if you could talk just a little bit about his will versus our will. I think it's so essential when we're talking about discernment to discuss that. And I just kind of shared some of my thoughts on it, but I'd love Mm. to hear yours. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, let me pull out. I took note of um, a little excerpt in Philippians. Um, most people would have heard this, but it's just a good reminder. So in Philippians chapter four, uh, verse five, let's say four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again. Rejoice. Your kindness should should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And um, I think that is where surrendering our desires and our will for His we might think that that means that we're going to have to give up everything. And, and in a sense, yes, like in a sense, again, going back to being open-handed with the Lord and not like grasping on tight to all of these attachments that we may have. Um, there's such a freedom with offering it up to him, but it doesn't mean that he's going to take everything good in your life. Um, just because you're surrendering your your will, your future, your career, your relationships, 
your comforts to him. Um, he is a good father and he does have a will um, for our lives. And again, first and foremost, that um, we would be in communion with him and um, that would we would love one another. Um, but we just don't even know what he's going to give back to us tenfold. Um, and not that that's the end goal. It's just the reality. Like, again, if I could go back and do this process all over again, knowing I wasn't going to get the scholarship, I would do it 100%. Because the the joy of having of having that trust in him and that um, intimacy with him and, and reliance on him, there's such a beauty in discernment because it requires us to be dependent on him. It's like we've gotten to a point where we don't know what to do. We're facing some decision or we're trying to figure out what's next. And our knowledge ends. And that is like where he gets to begin is we hand this over to him and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? Um, I think it's just as simple as that. And in these verses in Philippians, you know, instead of being anxiety ridden um, with our own desires and wills and, and not sure how we're going to get to this and this, how we're not going to fulfill these things, we can hand it all to him and just embrace that he will take care of it. Whatever that looks like, he will take care of it and it all will be well. Um, and, it, you know, when it talks about, too, about guarding your hearts and minds, that also doesn't have to mean reeling in your excitement. Like I used to think that guarding my heart just meant not getting too invested in something, not getting too excited. And I realized that instead, how about I get as excited as I could be about this dream, knowing that if I don't get this, that God is still good and, and that he will catch me. Like if I am disappointed, he will be there. He will be my comfort. So it will still be well. All will still be well. Um, and so I think I think we should get excited. I think, you know, about whatever is going on with our lives and share that with people because it can be a witness to what he's doing. And even if, again, if, if disappointment comes, it's still a witness to the fact that we're able to glorify God in the in the mountaintop moments and in the valleys and in all of it um, in between. So, um, but yeah, his will is just always the best. God's best, nothing less God's best. So. Yeah. I think too, this is essential to say. um, And and it's because of what you just said there at the end. I think it is imperative in this space to be willing to be vulnerable with him and to be vulnerable with the ones that are close to you. You know, I think within discernment, sometimes we're so afraid to admit what we really want. And we, we do the psychological thing of not getting too excited, like you said, or, or just assuming it's going to go wrong. And if there's one thing that I pray for in my life, it's to never be in that space. When I discern things or I desire things, I find that I'm so much better off when my hands are wide open as opposed to kind of clenching my fists. Yet for us as people, we we become hardened of hearts because or of heart because of what we experience, because of what we've dealt with, because of past wounds and failures. I mean, I, I'm so thankful that somehow we've made it through a discernment episode for over an hour and we really haven't talked about relationships at all. But I, I think especially in this space, you know, I think back to that space of um, you know, dating. I'm married now, but before, you know, the heartbreak that would come from it not working out and you, you start to, or I would be told so much by people that I should feel jaded, that I should feel like this is no good. And my prayer always was, Lord, you've got a plan. I've been fired from a job before. And let me tell you, that can really mess with your discernment or your trust in him. And yet, in that space, God just kept telling me, you should lean on me because listen to those words of St. Peter in John 6. Lord, where would I go? Resignation, friends, is not a bad thing. It is a good thing to be resigned to the Lord and his plan. 
Because when we finally are resigned to him, that's where he's able to finally work with us. Because we've we've stopped trying to hold things back. And that same resignation is helpful within friendships. There are people in your lives who you should be sharing the most intimate details. It's helpful. And yet there will be times where that will come back to hurt you. And God still asks you to do the same, to keep sharing those things, be open, to be willing to be vulnerable. And he'll bless that. And as we talk here about discernment, as we try to wrap this up, I know we're over an hour now. I think it's essential to to look at those couple things, to look at humility, to to look at docility, and to look at resignation, and to really make your prayer every single day. Lord, what do you want? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let me trust you. And then to give it over to him and dream big, because he does want to fulfill those dreams. And if you're praying those prayers, if you're asking to trust him, whatever comes, you're going to end up realizing, just like at the transfiguration, Peter says, it is good that I'm here. You're going to realize that wherever he's put you, that is where he needs you in that space right there and then. And you'll be able to say, it is good that I'm here. I, I think I want to, we had a couple other questions that I wrote down, but I think we're probably okay to omit those for now. We've kind of answered them anyway. Um, I want to give you a chance for final thoughts, Chan. I know I gave my five minute spiel, um, but I wanted to give you, if there's anything else that you wanted to say or wrote down that you're like, oh, this is a good tip. I need to share this little bit of advice. Right, because this is discernment made simple uh, after the over hour episode. Um, we'll change the title. It's actually today's episode is discernment made complicated. Yeah, exactly. And Chan. Twisting, winding roads. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any advice. I would just say bring it all to the Lord. Bring it all to prayer. Um you know, adoration is the best, um, or even just getting in, you know, even just getting in the physical presence. I love how the Catholic church is so tangible. Um, we have, um, the sacraments, we have, um, you know, we have these images that we can look to, like it is very, it is very tangible. It is very physical in many ways. Um, and so get into, get to the chapel, get to adoration, um, get to daily mass if you can. Um, I'm always trying. I'm not a daily mass goer, a daily, daily mass goer. Like I don't go every day, but I try to go once or twice a week. And really, I'd love to be going more. Brendan is much better at that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all a gift. And so just bring it to the Lord and you might be amazed at what he does with it. And even if what he does with it is just bring him closer to you, that is everything. So um, that's all I'd have to say. No, I think, I think that's the perfect thing to conclude with that. The reality is in the end, the most essential thing with discernment, the thing that we can put before someone is no matter how this process goes for you, if it's, a winding road or a straight path, if it brings you closer to the one who created you, who loves you more than anything, then it's been good. You know, the, there's no greater gift than to know Jesus Christ intimately. To be in love with yeah. the one who is love, that should be our only desire on this earth, is to come to know him and to love him. And it's made simple through conversation with him through receiving him it is made possible through the wonderful catholic church that you and i are so fortunate to know and hopefully those who are at home um, know him as well in, in this space and so that's the invitation friends we're called to be saints and that sainthood begins with knowing him and serving him and loving him and he'll do the rest. And if you're able to at least try, he'll he'll help. He'll provide the graces necessary 
and you'll be able to push forward and hard days will come. But uh, what's the great uh, Irish uh, blessing? Oh, the, <laughs> the what, road like, made the road rise to to meet you. Yeah, I can't respond on your back, something like that. I wish yeah. I had had it up. It's that a, it was that St. Patrick's breastplate, maybe. Yeah, we'll link it in the bio in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, something like that. May the rose rise, to, may the road rise to meet you. <laughs> okay, there's more to it. Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, <laughs> May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. There you go. Now we've, now we've really gotten the Irish theme back. Love uh, it. Great. I, uh, I uh, always ask two questions. So I'm going to, to ask those to you. Um, this is a big deal. You know, Chance probably been thinking about this since episode one. Who, uh, I know, I'm kidding. I'm 100% teasing. Mm. Who is Mount Rushmore of Saints? Um, yeah, didn't think there was going to be episode 99, remember? But uh, <laughs> my Mount Rushmore, well, St. Allen, first of all, basically patron of this whole process, and let's just say episode 99. Um, uh, uh, Mother Teresa was, of course, like my gateway saint uh, way back when. Um, uh St. Jane Francis de Chantal and St. Francis de Sales, that, that duo, and, uh, and St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross would definitely be some. I, I need to read more of her writing, but um, getting into that. So It's a good list. It's a mm-hmm. great list. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, last question for you. God willing, one day you're going to be a saint. What would you, what do you think you'll be the patron saint of? Um, this was actually a hard question. I'm just going to say of walkers. I really like walking or museum goers, something like that. I just like strolling with friends and, uh, I don't really like running and in adulthood, I've really embraced walking as a hobby. So I'm going to say patron saint of walkers. (laughs) I love it. I love people's answers each time. I'm always surprised by what they say. (laughs) From the most profound to the most simple, simple. he's beautiful. Um, well, thank you. this has been wonderful. I hope to anyone who's listening at home that you enjoyed this episode as we talk about discernment, just the intricacies of it. But hopefully it was at least made simple towards the end where we kind of hit on what is necessary, going to the Lord, going to the sacraments, going to prayer, sitting before him and just talking to him, talking to him as a friend. Hopefully through that little bit, there's other sprinkled uh, bits of advice that you can take from this episode, but uh, it was such a joy getting to chat with you and thank you for all of your wonderful wisdom and your vulnerability to just share your story and how the Lord has moved in your life. Um, as always, we, we thank our sponsors, the Catholic company and good Catholic use code GATA for 20% off on those websites. And thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Thanks, Brennan. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, click to subscribe. This is a Good Catholic Podcast. Visit goodcatholic.com for more information.